Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another stimulating conversation. Today, you got Diane and me, and we've got some interesting stuff to ponder today. Well, you know, you say stimulating conversation. I'm like, oh, the pressure's on. No pressure. No, <laughs> it can't be not. You're a stimulating human. No, being. it's true. It's well, and I, I guess it's just that word stimulating. I mean, it, it's it's well, that's kind of what we're provoking. talking about, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so what, how do you want to introduce what we're talking about today? So what we want to talk about today is kind of the interplay between self-awareness and self-management and self-regulation. These are all self-words that come up a lot for us as parents around our own stuff, for us, for our kids around their self-regulation, their response to stimulation, right? And we're constantly focused on helping our kids regulate their attention and regulate their emotions. And they have this often they get described as having a self-regulation challenge or disorder or whatever. And we want to kind of flip it and say, well, what does it look like? And what about us? Well, yeah, I like the what about us. It's really interesting because we just wrapped up the four week group on elementary for elementary age parents. And mm-hmm one of the modules is around trigger management and self-management and this sort of thing. And it's like so many of these parents are like, I got to help my kid because they're losing their cool and they're yelling at me and they're doing all this sorts of stuff. And I'm like, okay, so what, let's look at that. And let's look at what's going on for you in this, right? It's just sort of how, and, and even if you're not the one that's the primary person that's getting triggered. And, and let me just say as a caveat, when we say triggered, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're yelling. It just means that you're thrown off balance. You're like agitated, irritated. You may be in fight or flight. I don't know which one you're in. It depends on you as a human, but you're dysregulated. Let's use that word. Is that a fair word that everybody uses? I think that's a good word. And I was just talking to someone and, and it's like, if you're getting dysregulated by your kid being dysregulated, your ability to help your kid get regulated is going to be it's going to diminish significantly, Much right? diminished, right? It's a sort of, <laughs> he can't believe he called me that, or I can't believe he's, I'm so upset because he's, he's saying how much he hates himself or what, whatever it is. If it's dysregulating you, you're, you well, want to help your kid and you well, can't if it's, do that it's, the same way. If it's dysregulating you, then the attention's not on your kid anymore. The attention's on you. Right. And I have this memory 
of this one very unpleasant scene in in a family home that may have been mine many years back when it had to do with unloading the dishwasher. And my kid was just melting. It was trying to get the dishwasher unloaded in order to get out the door. And we needed it done before we went out the door. Or we had decided it needed to be done before we left, right? Mm -hmm. Did it really need to be done? Probably not. But that was the instruction. And because it wasn't being followed, my spouse got totally freaked out about it. And my kids got reactive to that. And I'm trying to calm everybody down because really we just needed to leave the house. But now there's this other issue of do we follow the dad's direction or not? Because we really need to get out to go to soccer practice or softball practice or whatever. And so we end up in this hot mess, right? Hot and mess. the hot mess was was because it was no longer about emptying the dishwasher or getting out the door or about what was best for the kid, it became about, well, they're being disrespectful to me as an adult. Well, it's really interesting because I, I was uh, one of my private clients sent me a copy of a text um, stream between her and her kiddo. And one of the things that went back and forth was this is unacceptable. Yes. And I was like, okay, that's how triggered is that response? I mean, so, so noticing and this, so this is where the self-management comes in. It's just sort of in self-awareness. I was going to say before the self-management, self-management this is where the self-awareness, self-awareness right? comes it's just in. Sort of watching your language and, it, and you may not, so let, let's give everybody a break here and say, you may not be able to get it in the moment, but you might be able to like afterwards, after like the place to start is often in the rear view mirror of some conversation that you had that didn't quite go the way that you wish that it would to go. Yes. Okay. So what was going on here? How, how unraveled was I, how unraveled were they? Where, where was my moment for catching myself when I started to go South or whatever we want to call it, the dysregulated. Yeah. And what are the things that we had talked about this? It's like, what is, what is the trigger? What is the, place that 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 dysregulation started well so so here's what's coming up as you're saying that right so we we teach this the anatomy of a trigger we teach a whole bunch of stuff around trigger we have hour-long and four-hour-long workshops on trigger management right and one of the concepts i was just going through this with a with a, a member of one of our coaching groups last week one of the concepts we talk about is to keep it really simple is aware, alert, alarm, alarm. right? Mm-hmm. And most of us are going through our days, if all is well, in a kind of a general awareness of what's going on. And when something happens that gets our spidey senses up, we move into some level of alert. And if we can recognize that we're on alert, that we're starting to get triggered by something, we're worried about something, you know, our um, sensory system is starting to to get off kilter. If we can recognize it, we can put strategies in place to calm ourselves down. So that's where awareness comes in. If we become aware of the fact that we've gone from from a base level of awareness to alert, if we're we're now on alert, what do I do to recognize that I'm on alert and calm myself down before it, it blows? If I'm an alert for too long and I don't recognize that I'm in alert, I'm going to end up in alarm because I'm not going to have any capacity anymore to calm myself down. I'm going to, at some point I'm going to blow, whether it's me or a kid. Right? Well, and part of what's coming up is you're saying that is a, why is that important? What What's different about alert? Because mm-hmm. alert feels to many of us feels better than aware <laughs> because it's like, you know, there's a sense of power and right. And it's just sort of because you're in your emotional part of your brain. And what happens when we go into alert is that 
more emotional aspect. It's not necessarily, it's the limbic system gets triggered and engaged, activated. Thank you. That's the right word. And so then our limbic system is competing with our our other system, our executive function, our, our executive function or our creativity or our intellect or whatever else. And it's this sort of, there's all this emotion that's going on in the midst of trying to solve a problem or trying to get the dishes loaded or trying to get the dog walked or whatever it is that we're trying to do. There's this level of emotion that gets in there and we begin to get confused, right? It's just mm-hmm. sort of, we begin to fall into our old habits and patterns, we get very me focused. Like you were saying, the energy starts going like some of us, when I, I know for myself, when I get agitated, it's like, I've got to fix this and I got to fix this right now. And I'm the only one that can fix this, right? This sort of, <laughs> no one else can do this. I have to she's do this. So much fun when Stand she's like back. that, y'all. <laughs> so much for what? I didn't hear what you you're said. You're so much fun when you're like that. Oh yeah. I no, got to do it. Okay. I got to do it now. I got to do it. I got to do it now. Right. I don't get to deal with that much. Well, and we go into, we go into our coping mechanisms. We either go into avoidance or we go to control, which is mine. Right. But sometimes our kids are avoidance or we go to distraction or we go to isolation or we go to pleasing. I mean, there's all these kind of coping mechanisms we have. Or defense. Right. So it's important to notice and become self-aware when you're in that agitated state, because you're really not operating on this. I don't want to say on all cylinders, but you're really not operating on all cylinders. Well, you're not, you're not operating from the frontal lobe. That's the right. rational part of your brain, right? right. You're, you're operating from a different system. So here's what came up as you were describing it. And I, and I don't even remember if on the trigger chart, we have these colors, but we probably should. But so you said, what's the difference between aware and alert? Aware yeah. is the, is the bottom is the base level. It's the green, all systems yeah. go, right? It's green, yellow, red on the chart, by the way. That's what it should be. So when yeah. you move into yellow, think about when we've gotten into environmental alerts in the last 20 or so years, where all of a sudden we're paying attention to the air quality and they're telling us, is it a green day? Is it a yellow day or is it a red day? It's very much like that. If once we hit on alert, now if if the pollen counts are at a you know at high enough, or if the air quality is high enough, now we're in alert, and we have to pay attention to what times of day we go outside, what times of activity, types of activities we do outside, and then there are red days where we're told, "Don't go outside today. Don't take the kids outside today." It's the the air quality is not good enough. Now, I don't know if the rest of the country is dealing with that, or if that's Atlanta just us deals here. with that a lot. <laughs> But we deal with that a lot. And it's very, very similar. Like aware is is even keel. And then alert is like, I got to start paying attention and I got to do something differently. I've got to mitigate or modify my behavior to deal with the upset that's happening. Right. And I think that's really what we're saying. It is. And I want to take us back to the kid lens for a second, because we were talking again about us. But a lot of times our kids are walking around in alert. Constantly in high alert, high and, alarm. And, and they don't look <laughs> like it, right? Because remember, avoidance, distraction are coping mechanisms. And if your kid is avoiding, if your kid's on games, if your kid's reading a book 24-7, it might be an indication that they're really stressed out and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And they're walking around in that alert place, which makes it easier because we're thinking, oh, everything's so they're on fine. The verge, they're on the verge. They're in a constant state of alert. It could go into alarm at any second yeah, and you don't fast. know what happened and they're, they're already gone. And you're like, but I, all I said was put on your shoes. Right. <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden it's world war three. Right. So, I mean, I think that that's the important piece of it is to acknowledge that there's these three levels and to know that you may not know for yourself, even 
and definitely for your kid where they are at any given moment. But you can begin to pay attention to where you are at any given moment, right? That's where self-awareness is the precursor to start paying attention to how, what it takes for you to self-manage yourself and to manage your own regulation. That's, you know, it goes back to, you can't control what happens. You can only control how you respond. Well, and that's like what I, I wanted to say. Sorry, we got, we got to be the grownups guys. I mean, I think this yeah. is, I was on talking to a mom just moments ago and we we're like, if you're in an argument or about to get into an argument, whichever person is aware enough to go, oh, wait, we're in an argument. This is not going to work. We slow this down. Yeah. Whoever it is, even if it's you every single freaking time that you're the one that has to say it because you are the one that's more self-aware. I'm sorry. You get to say it because you really, I mean, it's going to be to the better good. It may not feel that way in the, in the moment because you want to fight for what you believe in and like you're agitated and want to control or whatever it is, but the, the greater good, I think almost any time, unless you're being chased by mountain lion, the greater good happens in aware. Yeah, well, and the other thing that came up from what you just said is that dance between influence and control. Mm. And we often feel like if we want to control something, we get kind of white knuckled about it, right? We, we tight fisted, we hold on to something, it's got to be a certain way. And actually, the more tightly we try to control something, the less likely it is to go the way we want it to go, because we're, we're not allowing anybody else to have a role in it. And when we release some of that control and we start paying attention to how do we influence the situation, how can we guide the situation, then, then we have a better opportunity not only to manage ourselves, but to help our kids learn to manage themselves and to, and to self-regulate. And a lot of that, it goes back to that. It starts with self-awareness. Well, it starts with self-awareness and it's this sort of, again, you're fighting biology because when you're in that middle range of alert, you don't care about influence and you want to control. I mean, literally your brain wants to take over and be in charge. Well, and it's interesting because you're, you're more inclined towards control, right? And I'm actually more inclined towards, I don't want to say surrender, but I remember when, particularly when my kids were younger, I was really quick to give it up. Oh, forget it. I'll just take care of it or I'll do it or it just won't happen. Or so I would, I would be more likely to surrender because that was easier for me than staying in there and having the difficult conversations or allowing people or coming back to the conversation after people had gotten upset. I was really good at stopping the conversation and saying, you know, we're all upset. Let's not have this now. But I was avoiding coming back to it. I just noticed with my own, with one of my kids a couple of weeks ago, there was a conversation I knew we had to have, and I was, I've was i been avoiding it for a while. And it wasn't a big deal, but logistics are hard for us. And so I was on my way out to dinner to meet a, a colleague who was in town. And I literally called them on the way out to say, we really need to talk about this. I know it's pain. I'm going to call you. If you're available, I'm going to call you on the way back from dinner. And so I scheduled the time. So I dealt with my own avoidance that way, because I recognized I was aware that I was the one that was causing the problem by avoiding the issue because I didn't want to deal with the logistics of it. Well, and what you're, what you're, you're alluding to, and we talk about the difference between ending an argument and resolving a conflict. It's this sort of, because a lot of times, you know, everybody gets dysregulated and we'll stop and we'll go to our corners and everybody will calm down, but it's hard to go back and finish the conversation because 
we don't have strong conflict management skills. I mean, there's a whole. Or in this case, it wasn't even a conflict. Yeah. I just didn't want to deal with it. Mm. You know, it was just like uh, making plane reservations is really stressful for me. You know, calendar stuff is stressful for me. And so, and it was stressful for my kid. And when there was another kid involved and it was like, it was, nobody was upset. Nobody was angry. Nobody was mad. I was just, it was the executive function avoidance of it all. Right. Yeah. And I had to recognize that I was doing it in order to manage myself differently to handle it. But I couldn't so, have done that till I recognized. So what are the things we do to begin to become more aware of our our tendencies, whether it's avoidance or control or distraction or whatever it is? Um, it's a great question. Uh, it's maybe another episode. <laughs> and we might have some time to answer that one. I think what's coming up to me at the moment is that we ask ourselves, what's the story we're telling ourselves? Mm-hmm. And then we get curious about what's underneath it. Like, what am I really avoiding? What am I really trying to control? What, like, if we get curious with ourselves, you know, we always talk about getting curious with our family members, but we can get curious with ourselves too. Well, and what's coming up for me is two things. One I said earlier, which is really reflecting afterwards, right? It's sort of really taking a minute to go, okay, wait, what happened? What did I know? What can I remember from what happened to me this afternoon or happened in the dynamic this afternoon? And the other thing is to begin to pay attention to our bodies. And, you know, this is a biological response, right? So you're literally shifting to a different part of your brain, which means for most of us that we start breathing differently, maybe we get tense, maybe we like start running our fingers through our hair. Or yeah, we... I call it looking for your tells. Yes, exactly. Right? So if, if you, you begin were playing to poker, see, you'd have a tell. What are your tells? Begin to notice what your body does when you get in that state so that it's a clue that it's like, oh, wait, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to, I just sat up in my chair. You didn't see that only, but it's like, right. I just sat up in my chair, right? It's just sort of, okay, I just sat up in my chair. Am I, am I bracing myself for something? Or is that just me feeling like I'm sliding down at the end of the day? <laughs> So looking for your tells, doing some debrief with yourself, getting curious, um, the magic three questions, what worked, what didn't work, you know, so instead of beating yourself up about that conversation that did or didn't happen or that you didn't like the way it happened, well, what part did work, what didn't, maybe, maybe what worked is at least I tried to have the conversation, right? What didn't, what do you want to do differently? So debriefing, those well, are and then- good techniques. It is. And then the, the other one, and we, and we teach this so often, is commit to calm. Yeah. I mean, it's this sort of, it's that commitment. It's that fierce commitment that things will go better for so many reasons that we mentioned in the last half an hour. Things will go better if you can stay regulated, if you can focus on helping your kids stay regulated yeah. instead of ending up in the hot mess. And, yeah. and it's that fierce commitment to either recovering well, if you do end up in the hot mess, because we all end up in the hot mess sometimes. Yeah. Or it's about figuring out how to back out as you notice you're approaching the hot mess, but it's that, it's that fierce commitment to calm that I think is an important piece that starts, starts the ball moving in a direction that helps you with self-awareness, self-management and self-regulation. Beautiful. Awesome. That was a cool conversation. Did, did it qualify as stimulating? Yeah. Excellent. I knew it would. Always does. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing what you're doing for yourself and for your kids. You know what a huge difference it makes. And we'll see you in the next conversation. Thanks, everybody. 
You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.